Hey, it's Cindy Howes and Lizzie No from the podcast Basic Folk, honest conversations with folk musicians. Basic Folk is truly changing the game with our well-researched deep dives that aim to empower the listener while fostering the folk community. I basically am writing worship music for youth group rejects. Maternal regrets and maternal guilt are universal. I try to make things that are beautiful and that are made with like a purity of intention. You can listen to Basic Folk on on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network or at basicfolk.com. Hi, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Toy Heart, a podcast about bluegrass. This is the last episode of season two here from Nashville is my conversation with Allison Krauss. I remember, you know, the first time I looked out in the audience and saw people singing words to our songs that only we had recorded. That was just a really crazy moment just never thought it would end up being there never thought we'd hear back from rounder yeah. never thought we would hear from rounder in the first place if this is your first time listening you can hear full interviews with jerry douglas allison brown bailiff fleck larry sparks jody stecker and so many more wherever you get your podcast thank you so much for listening later on oh how do i love this next guest this unicorn angel of a woman who I have admired since I saw her singing Taylor the Latte Boy on the Rosie O'Donnell show and went, wait a minute, music, comedy? I can do that. And she has a high voice and a beautiful blonde hairdo. Maybe I could be like Kristen. Kristen Chenoweth, as you'll hear in this interview, has been one of my biggest inspirations. I just love her so much. And I told her that I was there on opening night in San Francisco when she had her first ever Wicked performance. She is so honest in this interview. We're very close friends. And my producer, Amy, said after this interview, after we finished, she's like, you are really raw, like more so than you normally are in interviews. And I think it's because Kristen and I connect on such a deep level and she's such a dear friend that I just felt so safe and comfortable. And also full disclosure, I was having a really hard day and week when we recorded this. And so was Kristen. And so, you know, we all put our best out on the internet and live in our best life all the time. And especially people like looking at us on talk shows or on things where we're supposed to be funny all the time and whatever. I think it's so much more relatable to just be honest than try to fake it. I hope you agree. And I think you'll learn a lot about Kristen Chenoweth within this interview that you might not already have known. So without further ado, here is the wickedly talented and funny. Did you like what I did there? Kristen Chenoweth. You have no idea. So I had like a three-person bucket list for this podcast. We had Carol Burnett last week. You are my second like bucket list and someday we got to get Dolly. But you're my like bucket list harmonics guest trifecta of like the people who inspire me the most in the business. So thank you, Kristen, for doing this. Thank you for saying that and for having me and for honestly including me in anything that has you attached because you are one of those people in our industry that I admire so much. Oh, it's the truth. If you guys, if you guys only knew, like Kristen and I have known each other now personally for a little bit, just through getting to know each other for, through friends over the years and the business. But I mean, yeah, I had Wicked all over my wall. I met Kristen multiple times at the stage door. <laughs> she would never, <laughs> she would never remember. Um, but I guess, like, 
kind of how we have to start every interview is, how you doing in 2021? <laughs> Everybody we've talked to is just like, yeah, we got to get it out of the way. Like, how are you? How's your mental health? How are you doing? You're right. And thank you for getting it over with. Um, and I think because you've asked me, I'm going to be, uh, you know, we're in an interesting business, Beth, where mm -hmm. we're doing these interviews and people want to know the truth, right? But then do they really want to know the truth? And so I don't know how you've been feeling because the truth is there is a funny thing of when people say, I'm doing actually great. There's a part of me that uh, when, and, and by the way, I don't want people to not do great during, during a time like this because God knows that we have, this has been a, we're not done and, mm -hmm. um, and we'll, we'll get through it. And when you said that, you said that at the very top of the show, right when I saw you, I don't even know if we were recording yet, but you said to me, we'll get through it. And it's small little sentences like that, that we have to keep saying to each other so that we can, um, stay positive. And so your tiny little three word sentence, I will remember that. And I want your listeners to know, um, if you, if, if it feels like you shouldn't say it, just say it. What do we have to lose? Yeah. I mean, Kristen, well, just to be honest, this morning I woke up and I've had like a week of like depression. It's been really hard for me to get out of bed. So like I, and I'm just being honest on here. Like we have, we are pretty honest on this podcast about mental health. So I've, I've told them all my secrets and my panic attacks and all the things. So I feel like I should be honest about I woke up feeling like shit this morning. But you reminding me that I said we'll get through it is like because you it's like you said you like in this business, they they really do want to know in interviews and stuff. But then also like you're on a late night and you have to be funny because that's like the point. And so you want to uplift and you whatever. But like just hearing you and seeing you like the moment Kristen signed on to the Zoom, I like my whole energy just changed with excitement. And also just like, I love Kristen as a human. So I mean, I just, okay, where do I, where do I begin? Well, first of all, talking about pandemics, do you have any weird things you've picked up? Like, do you have any weird hobbies or like? Oh my gosh, <laughs> yes. I, I do have a weird thing and I'm really happy to talk about anything. That's what I want to say because Right now, we are all in the same boat, and there's not one part of my life that I do not, otherwise I wouldn't have come on here, Beth, and talked to you. I'm so happy that you're talking about your mental health. There is a, um, I'm gonna try not to over-talk. There is a- No, please do, you should. Okay. This is what we wanna hear. Okay. I wanna hear you. Thank you, because I, I know I can go on and on, but there is a there is a thing when you're blonde and you're, it's cute and you're funny and you're a rainbow and unicorn and glitter and people, you know, respond to you mostly in a good, in a good way. <laughs> There's a thing that you don't want to let people down and you don't want to be the negative and you don't want to be. I have, I am not, I'm not only done with COVID, I have told COVID and I'm a good like Christian girl, but I've told COVID to F off. Mm -hmm. So that being said, it's okay to tell COVID to F off. It's okay to give a look on, in a, on a street and be like, it's okay to have these moments as long as we then forgive ourselves and, you know, think about how we really want to move forward and, and be remembered. And I, I'm not going, I'm not planning on going anywhere. But if anything has taught me this whole week, I lost my voice teacher of many, many years on yes. Monday. I know you know that. I'm so sorry, I Kristen. know, Beth, I know that you know how close. I know that you know. 
And I want to just say to all young singers out there, when you have your teacher and you find her or he, stay. Because I did, and I'm really, really glad I did. And I miss her, and it's, I'm not going to do this. I'm, I'm, I want people to understand that we're all, we really are all in the same boat. And that there has been a lot of loss. And I, my heart goes out to people who have had loss during this time and figuring out how to have uh, funerals and uh, services. I'm I mean, just what you wanted to hear today. No, this is, no, we have to be real because like you said, it's like the sparkle and the sunshine and whatever. That's also like not real. And so there's like pressure then people feel, well, I should be this. And loss, I mean, just what you just said, Michael's stepdad just died and he was back there for three weeks trying to figure out funerals. My grandma died from, we, we don't know if it was COVID, double pneumonia in April. We still haven't had a funeral. And it's like, People are dealing with this. For me, I don't know if COVID has brought this up for you, but I know we have a similar background in our sort of spirituality and faith. And mine has changed. I do not uh, sort of equate myself with the organized religion anymore. And I feel like this year I've had like a total sort of like crisis of conscious of like, what is the meaning of this all? What do I believe in? I mean, it's one of the reasons we started Harmonics is because I want to know from people like you that I admire, like, okay, during this time of grief, like, what are you clinging to? Like, is it that love never dies? Is it that you'll see her again? Is it that she's a hummingbird outside your window? Like, what are you? I love that because the truth is with, with our upbringing and, and being uh, especially spiritual, just let's just not even put a label on Christian, Jewish, Muslim. Let's just say spiritual person, right? I think, Beth, that our... COVID, and I mean, you're going to remind me, you're going to say, Kristen, you did say this. COVID, as horrible as it has been, and it has been horrible, I don't know if you have had moments where you've stopped and said, I hope you remember this moment, Beth or Kristen. There was a, a part of me that I can be honest and tell you that I had a problem that I constantly did not stop and smell the roses. I love what I do, so I just constantly worked. And people would say to me, you want to slow, you want to slow, you want, and I'm, oh no, I've got to. The hardest part for me with COVID has been the stopping. Mm. Have you felt that as well? Or is that okay to say? Is that okay yeah. to say? I was just like you. I've never... I've always wanted the next thing, next thing. Feel like also because in this industry, it feels like you have to keep swimming or else if you stop, then people won't give you jobs anymore. And we love what we do. So we want to work. But it was the first time in 10 years for me that I had a break too. And like, I mean, that's why I started this podcast. I couldn't deal with it. I had to, I couldn't deal with the stillness. No, that's not true. I feel like in the stillness is where I sort of started to confront why I was doing this. And during this pandemic, I met these amazing boys, the Corrin the brothers, who we did an episode where I was having really bad panic attacks and mental health at the start of this. And they really helped me navigate kind of like through music, finding that little girl and that creativity again. So I guess like the stillness sort of like made it all come to a head of like, what is the meaning of all this? Why am I doing this? And then realizing like, oh, because music is where I feel closest to 
spirit or if that's where like it all seems to make sense and nature, those two places. So where has it been? Like what has the stillness for you like made you sort of has it helped? <laughs> yeah. Oh God, that's a good. That's such a great question because I haven't really thought of it that way. Um, because I have been, you know, a lot of my friends, and I bet you have this too, Beth. A lot of my friends, I I, I have a, a a small core, and they're Same. amazing. Yeah, and they're amazing. But they always, I can get really. There is this thing, and I guess I'm talking about it now for the second time about um, oh. Kristen is happy all the time and it's just rainbow and glitter. And one of the things I will tell you that has been really interesting in this journey and process of being an actor and being in things that people know and love and being a part of things that people know and love has been, um, and my agent just said this to me because I said it too. I said, literally, God. I know you're there, but are you there? Like, I, ha- I have been. I have. <laughs> Where been, are you at, girl? Yeah. <laughs> Hello, can you please show up? And I know that um, that universe and spirit and God is is here and leading us. But it, it does feel lonely, and it does feel like, are we going to get through it? Yes, we are. We are going to get us get through it. God is here in whatever form that means for some people, and that is not me. Um, fixating or saying, make God perfect for you. Uh, I, I know that, I know that there's a spirit world and it, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, I, I would sit here with somebody and say to them, and I, it's okay if, that you don't think that. I do. I know totally. it because it's been shown to me. So, yeah. When did you first know you were funny? <laughs> I'm switching gears because I, like I asked this to Carol and I'm like, oh, I want to ask this to any really talented comedian I talk to because I love hearing sort of an origin story of that. It was a moment that took me by surprise. I wanted to be a ballerina, but I think you know that I'm, I think we all know, anybody listening knows that I'm 4'11", okay, people? All I ever wanted to be was ballerina. I lived at the ballet studio, but I had flat feet. I couldn't jump. I don't have any spring. I could turn. Obviously, I can learn a combination quickly, but I didn't have the right physicality. I didn't have the right, um, I didn't have long leg. I have long legs just on a short body, and people giggle when I say that, but I guess I want to say to all your young listeners right now, Beth, uh, who think, I'm going to be this, and then all of a sudden, the, the path goes over here, and when I was doing the Nutcracker, I was about seven or eight, and I didn't get a part because I was too little to fit into the costume of the rabbit, of the mouse. So she said, "We're gonna, you're gonna create the role of the rabbit." And I was like, "What's the rabbit do?" And she <laughs> said, "The rabbit sits there next to Clara, all of Act Two, as the rabbit in the Nutcracker." And I thought, "Ugh." I mean, I was little, but I knew I was being had, right? So I show up as the rabbit, you know, twenty-five hundred people in that house. I'm sitting there as the rabbit and all of a sudden a prop falls from one of the dancers in in the front. And you know in ballet and theater, those kinds of things can cause injury and harm. And I went, I mean a little kid and I went, what would a bunny do? 
So I hopped out there. It was a piece of vine. And I hopped, I put it in my mouth and I hopped back. And the audience, and this is a ballet. This is the Nutcracker. This isn't, you know, <laughs> a show. Um, and my brother was the force to be there, you know, and my family. And he's just, you know the, the deal. And it was, it was a moment that I went, huh, whatever that feeling is, I want to do that. So, mm. that all being said with the live performance, speaking honestly, I have really, really, really struggled like the rest of the world. I have not ever stopped. I don't know what to do with myself half the time. It's f uh, something I'm trying to figure out. Like, yeah. okay, you, you've been forced, we've all been forced to do this time. Because it's what we're doing. We're doing time. We got no choice. We got no <laughs> choice. But have you done like weird, like... I also used to collect quarters. Like, now I have this weird, like, don't let a quarter go. It's a weird, <laughs> it's maybe my days at the beginning of New York of not being able to get laundry. I'm not sure. But, like, kind of eyeing people that aren't doing the right thing. That's a weird thing yep. I'm doing. Yep. Really crazy about quarters. I think it's okay to admit. I love this quarter thing. Listen, it's all, I'm being honest. Yeah, I haven't done any weird quarter. I picked up the banjo for a little while, which <laughs> I know your boyfriend's a musician. He can laugh right now because, I mean, that was something. I, I, I was committed and I was getting like good. And now if you ask me to play what I had learned, um, I could not tell you. I don't remember a thing on When the did banjos. you start? I mean, he grew up in bluegrass. So when did you start? I know. When did you start? Uh, like the day we went down on the show because of the pandemic and I had a whole hiatus with nothing to do. And and I still love it and want to pick it up again. But then I went back to work and it was like, and then someone was like, could you play it on like, I think it was like Drew Barrymore or Ellen. We were talking about the banjo for a talk show appearance. And I was like, I truly don't remember anything. But that was my weirdest quarantine. It's hard. And Kristen, why play something you can't sing along to? I don't have a twang. I'm like you. I'm like Julie Andrews soprano. Like there's no, I can't be like, you know, faking that Gillian Welch meets, you know, whatever. Wait, speaking of singing, just as a friend, but also my best friend wants me to ask you this because we both share this. And I'm curious because I've never asked you this. Have you ever had a panic attack in live performance? And do you find singing to be harder and more pressure filled and, uh, stressful than being funny and doing like a movie or a TV show? Um, that's a great question. And it's one that kind of switches back and forth. Uh, obviously, when we get back out on the road and touring, I'll, I'll be very happy. But live performance, I have had one incident. Um, I was in New York. I had been, I was, I was the, one of the first artists to play. You know when they started doing the, the solo artists at Lincoln Center? Yeah. I was one of the first ones to do that, and I had no rehearsal. pressure at Lincoln Center. <laughs> Not a big deal. <laughs> I'll just I'll just walk down the street with my dog, and I'll meet you there. But I'm walking to rehearsal, and this was—I mean, maybe I was about your your age then. I mean, I was probably about—I don't know. It was—I was younger. I was probably about thirty, maybe. And I was walking towards Lincoln Center, and all of a sudden, I panicked. I mean, I sat down on the curb, just in the middle of Amsterdam and 50th, I think. I sat down on the curb and I began to not be able to get my breath. 
I didn't know what that was. Um, I've definitely battled depression. I'm, I'm absolutely um, opening up here. Uh, and I have, I have had wonderful friends in my life who've said, I've got you, it's all right. And I have a, a great counselor that I work with that helps me. And I think it's actually great, Beth, that this is what we landed on today. Because we are both types of people that people don't believe that, that we have issues or problems. Now, we're not going to sit here and talk on this thing about, you know, our hard lives. We've been blessed, but we've also worked hard. You and I have worked hard and studied and worked hard, and we continue to work hard. We love you. Love what you do. That's why you said, "What can I do during this time?" I, I've, I'm not going to play the banjo. So now what? Am I doing? <laughs> you know, I'm doing it too, and it is hard to sing. It has been hard to sing because I'm out of shape. I'm just speaking honest. I'm out of shape. There's been three lo uh, losses, and I've dealt with. I'm in the middle of the grieving, and and we all know that we have to take that time. And uh, I'm just. I'm kind of like you. I'm just, okay, I won't play the banjo now. I'll try this. Today, I have, tonight, I have, when I get off, I have rehearsal with Michael Orlin. I'm, oh, Michael! Yes, who senses love. I love him so much. Maybe, Please tell him hi. Maybe we'll send you a little bit video. Yes. We, we both love you so much. And he, you know, he, he's been the one this week especially. You get up. Come on. Let's sing a little bit. If you need to go lay back down again, you can. Yeah. But it sounds, doesn't it seem like a little bit like, I'm like, what? when it first started depression and sort of wondering what that panic attack was, I, I thought, no, no, you're, you have a good life. You don't, yeah. don't be spoiled. But what's wrong with you? Oh, that's the immediate thing. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Why? I should be grateful. I, oh my God. I, the, exactly. A hundred percent. But the truth is, Beth, there is nothing wrong. We're just human. Yes. <laughs> Wait, so you sat in the middle of the street, you had the panic attack, but it, you were able then to go to Lincoln Center and sing No well, Problem? Well, once, uh, Beth, once I got there, well, once I f went through it, because I, I want everyone listening, and I know that Beth has talked about her issue and other people, um, and, you know, heck, you look at even Carol and Julie and all the people that we look up to and Bernadette, and it has been very helpful and important to my mental health to lean on people like Carol and Julie and Patty think people that I look up to and watch and you and and, and people that I look literally honor and go okay Chris these are the women that you honor look at them watch them how they run their life and not that I would copy but I would it's wonderful to have people that you look up to and admire and honor. And now I just, I'm talking about Florence Birdwell, my voice teacher. I lost her on Monday. Mm. She's been all over this apartment all week saying to me, music is a, your healer, don't forget. So for me, I understand the horse love. I understand the space and nature and you know, no, probably I'm not going to go for a five-mile hike, but I can enjoy, you know, I can enjoy being on, the, on, on a horse and being, being in California, Missouri with my ne ne niece and my nephew-in-law and smell the, the manure and deal with the family. <laughs> it smells so good. Yeah, doesn't it? And 
just learning and and actually this this experience your experience it's really important to say this as women to women who are doing mm -hmm. things that we admire you said at the beginning of this you said i put, put down down the banjo and now i'm doing this one of the things that's so admirable about that it's important for me to say as a woman we are told so many times that, that we can't or I have been told in my lifetime, you can't, you shouldn't, you wouldn't, it won't work out. You went, huh, I'm having a hard time. How am I going to turn this, make it better for myself and others? That's all I'm trying to do too. And it's, I really want to tell you guys that you've picked a very, very good person to listen to and to com continue to listen to her. Um, she's a smart girl and she calls Carol Burnett, <laughs> she calls, she, she listens, and you're funny. And I think being funny is more important to me than having a great, <gasps> great voice. Wait, say it again, Kristen, say it again. That's big, say it. I love this so much. <sighs> Thank you. It's a big thing to say. It's impor more important for me, me personally, to be funny than it is to be an amazing singer. I, especially during COVID and everything, laughter, not even performing, just literally being with my cast on set and making each other laugh, I could not live without it. Like, uh, it's everything. And I want to say something about you that I'm thinking as we're talking and that I felt and s spoke about after interviewing Carol Burnett. And this is not a, a blow to any younger lis listeners, but... During Carol Burnett, the way she came up, the way Kristen came up, the way Julie Andrews, the way even I was raised, you know, we all got into this business because we freaking loved it and we worked our asses off and we went to school and we studied and we did anything and everything we could to be artists. And I think nowadays with social media and influencer culture and all these things, this idea of craft. And like, comedy is a craft, just like music. And I don't know how you feel about this, Kristen, but don't you think that the there's a musicality to comedy that's just like singing, that being a singer, you're able to hear the music of the comedy better? Yes, 1000%. We're talking about rhythm and speech pattern and, and melody, because speaking is singing on pitch. That is... <laughs> Here's Miss Burwell. She's showing there up. There she is. Here she is. I felt that too. <laughs> I just got chills. Oh. Thank you. Oh Thank you. She's here. Yeah. <laughs> and she said to me my whole career and up until very recently, singing is speaking on pitch. When you get lost, I can't believe you, Beth. I'm <laughs> <laughs> sorry. That, it's, like... it's awesome because she's saying hi to me. So thank you. She's saying hi and thank you. Thank you for that. And I, I still listen to her. I've got her picture above my piano. She, oh. what, what else did she say? Singing is speaking on pitch. If you don't have any breath support, you'll never make it. Um, that was me. I have no breath support still. You've got to help me. Truly, it's my biggest thing. I can, mine too. I can, it's hard. I can't do it. It's just always been my, I studied voice too. And I just, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to make a fart joke and fall down the stairs. It's so much easier. <laughs> 
I might break a rib, but I can well, handle that. <laughs> it's like being an athlete, right? What you were saying about being quote unquote out of shape because you're not doing live performance. I mean, people don't understand this and it goes back to craft and everything we were just saying. Like Kristen's working on her voice like an athlete goes to the gym in the off season, right? I mean, you, I think you told me this once too, the muscle, you have to, don't lose the muscle, which I've totally lost the muscle. I mean, I sing, <laughs> I haven't sung soprano stuff. I can keep the like chill, like three note muscle going. But, but it's like, it's, there's a craft to everything and, and there's a work ethic. It's not, you know, 10 year olds are asked like they want to be an actress and they're like, so I got to figure out my brand on Instagram. And it's like, no, 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 no. Other way. You got to go to school and study with a great mentor like Kristen's talking about that changed her whole life that who is who she is. But I just think that like one of the gifts of for me of talking to you and others that I've admired is that you are from a time like you would not have been a broad. You can't be a Broadway star without having craft. You can't do eight times a week. You know what I mean? Like there's no there's no faking that. So <laughs> no, there isn't. This is why we're talking. It's OK to your young artists if you get nervous it's okay that you meet your person that you admire and you can't speak that was me with you at the stage door you were so nice and i will say this about Kristen: i have never heard a bad thing in this business i can attest that Kristen was kind to me the like three times i met her at the stage door to have her sign my playbill she never ever once wasn't the Kristen you're seeing right now the cheerful kind loving warm like and I just feel like, no, it's good that people know, like, sometimes it sucks to meet your heroes because they're assholes. <laughs> and, and you when and Harold- When are we going to do that show? <laughs> oh, <laughs> it sucks to meet your heroes. They're assholes, the show. Um, but, like, it's so cool to, to well, have that. First of all, thank you for saying that. Second of all, do you know how it happened with you and I? What, what actually happened? So Jill was here getting me, <gasps> Jill was here getting me ready for something. And I mean, this is, a, we're going back some years. Yes, probably, because Jill's been with, for everybody listening, Jill Katie, our makeup artist, was Kat's uh, makeup artist on Two Broke Girls and the head of makeup on Two Broke Girls. And now Jill is my makeup artist as Gemma on The Neighborhood. And so, and Kristen's been with Jill forever. So we totally bonded through Jill because I told Jill what a big fan of Kristen I am. Well, and what was funny about that moment is that she had not yet told me, and we're getting ready, and there's commercial for two broke girls. And I said, oh, I love her. I, she goes, which one? And now, now, by the way, we had not met yet, you and I. This is going oh. back in time. And, and she goes, you know, I'm on the show. I, I work with Beth and I, this was a while back. And I said, listen, if we're ever on a red carpet or we're ever backstage or we're ever somewhere, will you introduce me to her? And then she comes back I don't know how many days later it was, and she says, guess what? Beth loves you. And I said, I want to meet her. And that this is maybe a story you didn't know. I didn't know, but that makes me so happy. Um, okay, I have to ask you, so I asked some of the people on, on the socials like what they wanted, some questions. Basically, they all just asked for wicked juice was one of them. Like, give us <laughs> like any it. good wicked tidbit behind the scenes. Um, did you ever have to pee really bad in that bubble? Like, I don't know. Okay, uh, I'm happy to tell it. It's, I'm not proud of it. It's important. To, <laughs> Uh-oh, it's I don't important. know if I know this. <laughs> I don't know if you do. It's important to tell things that you're embarrassed by so that other people can learn, especially you, yourself. 
Um, so I have bad neck. Beth, you know this. I've had a neck oh, problem. Yeah. And it's fine. And I've, it's something I, a lot of people have issues. One of mine's my neck, and I just work on it. And I was coming down in the bubble, and I had, I had um, a neck brace that I wore sometimes during the shows because I would, I would have numbness and tingling down my arms. And I, I couldn't feel because of the compression and disc problem. I couldn't feel my hands. So sometimes I would have to wear the, the neck brace in the show and I remember saying to Adina, I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna bedazzle this. And I, you know, I noticed that she kind of looked at me like, girl, but I mean, she, <laughs> we, all, we all had to work, right? And, she, yeah, and so yeah. I did bedazzle that neck brace. And that neck brace went on stage with me, uh, opening night on San Francisco, a couple times, um, I was there, by the way, opening night on, in San Francisco. Did I know that? And did I, or did I just forget? Wait, wait for it. The song Life of the Party that wasn't even the song. That made, like, I was, I was at your first performance of Wicked in San Fran. What? <gasps> Isn't that crazy? Okay, yeah. have you ever told me that? And I, I don't think so, but yeah. Beth, that's the hugest thing you've said. The whole, you were at the opening for me? Yes! That's a huge, I mean... I was obsessed. I told, I like, yeah. Anyways, keep going. Wait, so you were in the neck brace and you came in the bubble. And, and I had been given, and I think it's important, I'm not a, a drug person and I don't drink, but I, it doesn't <laughs> matter. I mean, people, you do you. you do, people do you. But my doctor had given me Flexeril and Celebrex. I are never, those like, are they pain things? Um, okay. Not pain, they're... Uh, a muscle relaxer and a oh god something else. I'd never be, I'd never had anything more than aspirin. So I came down. I remember in the bubble, and I was just like, huh. And, oh my god! And, and, and their bubbles were shooting out, you know, as it does from the machine. And I'm thinking, huh. And my first line is, "The wicked witch of the west is dead," and the crowd cheers the chorus. And I'm up in that bubble, and <laughs> and I'm thinking. Are the bubbles, did I, am I talking or are the bubbles continuing? And all of a sudden I'm looking down at the chorus and they are just laughing. They're all like, Linda, and they're la frozen, but they're laughing. I guess I couldn't get out. The wicked witch of the West is dead. Couldn't get it out. Because I had never taken, <laughs> and I was like, the wicked witch, the wicked witch, she did. I could not get it out. It took me three times. And I finally just went, ended with the witch, she's dead. And you didn't have a panic attack in that moment on stage in that bubble? I don't remember the performance. And I'm not <laughs> proud. I am not proud. This is what I'm saying. I'm not proud of it. I'm proud. That's a big accomplishment. <laughs> I'm like, you. Oh, you were able to do Glinda. Oh, my, you're popular that night. Must have been the most hilarious. Adina must have shit her pants with laughter because I have that. To ask, I need, actually need to ask her, like, girl, was it as bad as I think it was? But she was, you know, you know, we when when you do a show with somebody, how it how you have to have each other's backs and she had yeah. my back and I had hers and that's just how it was and oh my god okay that's a great wicked story I'm, they will be very happy the other question I kept getting on my social today when I asked was is there going to be ever a pushing daisies reboot because we all love that show me included K 
Can we do a reboot? Well, not we. Can you do a reboot of Pushing Daisies, please? Can you please tell Warner I'm Brothers? In. My little taller sister, much younger, <laughs> much younger sister or child, and yes. No, 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 no. Sister. <laughs> sister. No. No way. It's, Honey, I'm 35. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a that youngin. I'm 52. And you look 25. I will give you the $50 after the show, Beth. <laughs> we owe each other a lot of money after the show. Um, but yeah, but you, I mean, push, I feel like it was such a show that was before its time. It was. And now with streaming and everything, the tone of it, just the artistry, everything about it. I love it's, that you're bringing that Pushing Daisies up, Beth, because I was, it, it just got picked up on HBO Max. Yes, I know. I saw it and I was like, oh my gosh, how cool. And then randomly, I just clicked on I mean not randomly I was like let me see yeah. if it's on I don't sit around and watch myself but I did I did click and I went oh, it's actually on and then I started watching the show and it's about them that can't touch I know it's the perfect covid reboot it is or just or just not even reboot you could just show retell it. or just do pushing daisies another season I think yeah, I should just, just Put it back on. Well, now that it's on HBO Max, I feel like it's going to get a huge new audience. Okay. And then they're going to come a calling. And everybody, I'm telling you, that's what people were asking for to ask you questions today. So, well, tell tell everybody thanks that that was my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite parts ever. <gasps> right? Yeah. I'm you not a cook. You're always amazing, but that one was super special. Okay, I'm not going to keep you longer, but I have to ask you our final questions that we ask every oh my god by the way these are all the pages of research and interview questions I had for you that this happens to me all the time that I literally just end up having a great conversation exactly because you're who you are that's why and and if they want to hear that with you they should read you your book I've read your book thank you for you have a book book. Uh uh-huh I I remember when it came out I was like at Barnes and Noble like first time (sighs) just love you I I was your hype girl I'm still your hype girl Beth, you, you have given But read her book if you want to hear all the research questions about her upbringing and her family, who's lovely and amazing. I watched, by the way, your parents at the Hollywood Bowl. One of the things I remember was I got to watch your parents. I was close to them in the audience watch you. What was Kristen. it like? Oh, my God. Crying. You did. I'm blanking on what song. It was a tribute, and there was like a video that went with it. I want to say it was. It was 50 years. Yeah. 50 years. Um, I, I know what it is. It's about 50 years and then being together 50 years and yes, working on it. 50. Yes. It's Jason Robert Brown. I was bawling my ass off and they were also, we didn't get to touch on this, but do you have like five more minutes? Can I ask you this question? Yes. Um, you and I, I mean, I don't share completely, but my dad uh, was adopted and his his adopted mother is my she was my inspiration, my everything, the piano. So you're an adopted child, and you have what seems like the most incredibly beautiful relationship with your parents. I do. How has that sort of shaped who you are? I'm so glad you asked me. Thank you. Good. Um, it's maybe the most important question because there's kids out there that are adopted or um, parents out there who can't have children. My parents were... Uh, in that category, they had my brother, but came time for me, and my mom had cancer, and she she had to have a complete hysterectomy 
complete, talk about reboot. <laughs> she had a reboot. Um, <laughs> and they had said to their doctor that they wanted to try to have, they always wanted to try to have a, a they wanted to have a little girl. But of course we can't say, I want a girl. I want her to look like this and whatever. Um, but if you could, you would say, I want it to be Kristen Shadoweth, to have her talent and her adorableness. And thank you. <laughs> you are so sweet, baby. I love you so much. But um, I don't know about that. But they, they prayed. They're big prayer people. And they prayed and they said, you know, if there's God, if there's something or there's a child that is supposed to be, you know, we are, we want that. And that, their, their doctor who delivered me remembered, because it was also my mother who raised me, my mother's doctor. He remembered that. And then my birth mom got pregnant and he put them together. Now they have just only met about eight years ago. And I don't talk about your, it. Your birth mother and your adopted mother met? <gasps> have you met your birth mother? Wow. And it's coming out today and I don't know why, other than I'm happy to tell it because my birth mom, she gave me the, the gift that I can make, that I love to do and make a living. Um, my, my birth dad is um, no, no longer with us, but in heaven and was an amazing musician and a lot like um, an incredible guitarist and singer. Wow. And so a lot of things have been, the fact that you pointed that out about my mom and dad, that all being said, Lynn, who gave birth to me, Mama Lynn, gave me an opportunity. And Junie, my mother who raised me, gave me the chance. And I have thought about that statement a lot and what that means. And I really, I wanna say, one gave me life and one gave me a life. Oh. And, and I, by the way, I'm not a, I don't need to get into a pro-life, pro-choice, that's not me. I, 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 you know me, Beth, I'm a very much, people have to do their own what's right for them. I'm a non-judgmental person, but I am grateful for life. I'm happy I'm here. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here. That's actually, that's so beautiful. And man, watching your parents, I always say my dad, he coined this phrase with our family, that blood doesn't make family family makes family. And I feel like that's so, it's exactly what you just said. And how beautiful I've recently like connected with my dad's birth mother, cause she's still alive. And it's so, she was an artist, a painter. And it's like, it's so, you're right. Like we wouldn't be who we are without, like my, my grandmother was who introduced me to the Carol Burnett show and who had, you know, the records, the Broadway records and all that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be who I am without my dad's adopted mother. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. And to all the adopted kids out there, I'm sure that that is how they feel, I would hope as well. And if not, that they look to you as someone who they can, you know, at least have aspire to. <laughs> you know what? I hope okay. so, Beth, because nobody talks about it. I mean, not very many people. I just love hearing your story too, because it, I do think we need to talk about it more. So this is, this is the step in. We should have Mary Gaucher. Do you know Mary Gaucher? She was on we talked a lot about her album, The Foundling, which she wrote about her adoption experience, which was much different than your adoption yeah, experience, yeah, yes, unfortunately. Yes. But I really loved it. It's important, I think, that we all, like to, all women need to talk about like what it means to be a woman and want a child and all of those things. You know what I love about this platform for you? I'm watching you talk and, and I'm, I'm learning too um, from you. I, I, love, I love other women 
comedian artists who and singers too who I can learn from and I'm watching you and I'm learning and I want to say it it's important I'm learning because you're saying to me I'm I'm going to continue to work I love what I do and we worked our butts off and you've shared you, you know look I never thought I would be 52 years old and I was the proclaimed bachelorette, never going to have children. Now, Kristen DeBeth, and this is all usable. I think adoption and teaching and all of that kind of lies in the same. Being a mother and a father are definitely very, very, it's the most important job there is. Mm -hmm. And it is the most fun thing when you are loved and accepted. This is something else that people are afraid to talk about because they don't want to sound arrogant. But I was loved and accepted enough that somebody said yes. And then I was actually loved and accepted. So the fact that you noticed my parents at the Hollywood Bowl, and has it been perfect? No, because it's worked. Nobody a, has perfect, no, yeah, but of course they are, not just so proud of me there there's a song I sing called um fathers and daughters and yes oh and, and it's you know my dad and it's about him he and I and he's sitting there on that front row and I'm thinking how am I gonna get through this <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. interesting it's been a, thank you for letting me have some of these memories again yeah it's been an, a course. tough week and, I, and I, you have made me uh you, you've given me joy today You've given me so much joy today. I'm totally out of my funk, thanks to you. Okay, so I have to ask you these final three questions. These are going to be hard. Well, this one's hard. Everybody thinks it's hard, but you can only bring three records with you to a deserted island. What would they be and why? Sorry, I know, only three. I know. I had to answer it too. It was very hard. I changed my answer now all the time. Okay, yeah, I would love to. We have to have a PS tomorrow because I'll ch change okay. it again. Okay. Um, the, the original... I mean, I have to just say it, and it's yeah. it's really funny. I wore out the Wizard of Oz record. <gasps> That's not funny. That's awesome. Isn't that funny? I wore out the, uh, the Sound of Music. Me and too. I well, of course you did. <laughs> and I wore out. Um, Oklahoma because I'm from there, and that's what we were given, you know. And so, I, when you you know how you went, hey, that's that's like me. I I just knew music theater and acting I just knew and yeah <laughs> it's been an interesting it it finds you I feel the same way like there or I don't feel my parents told me I mean there was never a time I was acting out the sound music before I remember acting now and then they're like what are we going to do with this child we might as well put her in theater camp <laughs> so like that's what she's a weirdo <laughs> that's what my parents did they were like and then all of a sudden in an elementary school project, I played a flamboyant Ferdinand Magellan. And my like my school was like, put me on the news because it was so funny. But I didn't know it was so funny. But I created this whole like sketch comedy character. That was a whole nother thing that like my parents still remind me of. Like, you are so weird. Like, you turned Ferdinand Magellan into like the, like, I don't even know who. But anyways. First of all, that you're <laughs> so saying Ferdinand makes me happy. Go on. Oh, my God. Okay. What subject do you Google the most? That's a great question. Okay, so am I allowed to phone a friend? Who's yeah, right Josh. Josh, do what do I, I would do? Say shopping, like shopping, shopping related stuff. Beth, why'd you even ask me that? But like, I should have known that. I mean, you, Kristen. Don't I but random what? text you and be like? We don't Google a lot though. 
I don't Google. Uh, you're not, you're I'm not. not a, a, remember, I'm just old enough. I'm. Ju I'm not putting myself in the grave. I'm just old enough <laughs> that I'm still like, how does this? Okay, so usually at the end of the episode, I have a Dolly Parton trivia question because, as you know, we both are Dolly Parton love and savior. She's my like. If we can get her on harmonics, my life will be made at some point in my life. But we she, gotta make that happen. We usually will. Will you help? Yes. Okay. So I, I asked Carol this too, because you're like one of the few who's worked with her. So I don't want to ask you a trivia question. I just want to ask you for a Dolly story, like a great Dolly story that you have of working with her. Um, well, I mean, it's not very exciting, but it's something that I love. I released my record and then COVID happened. So, yeah. and I'm not, again, it's way, it's a good problem, but uh, Dolly, I had, it was for the girls. You know about it, Beth. I love that album. You guys should all listen. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And you know how, what I feel about her too. So when it I came know. to, I thought I would, she'll never say yes, but I'd like to ask her to sing, I'll always love you with me, but she'll never say yes. And uh, she, sure. And then, uh, there's videos, you know, because of the time changes and, and I'm very respectful of people's, you know, I don't want to, I think that you're a lot like this, like we don't want to bother people, but, yeah. but, but, yeah. but, you know, it's Dolly, you know? So I've been very respectful, but it's also been very hard for me because I do, it's Carol Burnett and Dolly for me. And look at those two. I know. Could they be more different? Yeah. And then Julie. Oh, Julie. Those are my three, too. Uh, but was she as amazing working with her as you would hope? Well, like, golly, I didn't tell the story. So she, so because of the time differences, I thought, uh -huh, I don't, I'll never bother her. I mean, if, if I get it, then that will just be amazing. But I would never, like, hound her yes. because I just, well, don't you know that that dolly records that thing and sends it back to me the next day? And... The so, next day? And sends me a video. And, well, I sent her video crying. I was in Atlanta, and I mean, I full on cried. I said, I can't. Of course you did. Yeah. I did. I said, I can't. I've been in this movie in Atlanta. And I just, you saying, I always love you. And now I, I can't believe it. Now I can retire. Yeah. And she said, It's so cool. You're never going to retire. Retire. And she's got, <laughs> I've got it on video. She videoed me back. She said, Well, Chris. I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> oh my God, Krista, that's a that's a great Dolly story. Okay, last question. Okay, this is kind of um, uh, well, I'm just gonna do it. It's called the blank room exercise. So if you don't mind, close your eyes, go into a blank room. What are you hearing? Wind. What are you smelling? Pink roses and peonies. Hmm. What are you tasting? Donuts. <laughs> Yum. What are you touching? Mm, silk sheets. Ooh. What are you seeing? I mean, this might be weird, but I'm just going to say it. I see the, the soul, my, my dog, my dog's eyes and my boyfriend's, yeah. like their, their, in, their energy and soul and eyes like looking right at, back at me. Oh, that's the best answer ever. That's what I see. Oh. And you said earlier about what, I just have to say this before we go. You yeah. said earlier about what, when someone, how you deal with loss and what, what, if someone appears to you and, 
maybe she's a hummingbird. You know, you just slightly said that. Um, I do want to tell you that right when you said that, right when you said that, there was a hummingbird right outside my window. And I didn't want to interrupt you. Plus, I didn't want the hummingbird to go. And Josh is in the other room, and I'm basically waving, and he never saw. And so he's hearing this right now for the first time. You, that happened. And I was like, oh, pulling it together. That happened on this call. Wow. So thanks. I love it. She's been all over this interview today. She's all over. And thank you to her because we wouldn't have Kristen Chenoweth without her. And then I would have never had someone to look up to, to aspire to like that. So, oh, Kristen, you've been amazing. I've taken way too much of your no, time. Thank you, you so, I, I love you so baby. much. I love you, I love you too. Oh, major vulnerability coma after that episode, y'all. Oh, I just love her so much. I love everything she does in this world. And man, I hope uh, we get back to live performances soon because I miss seeing her beautiful voice singing at the Hollywood Bowl and in New York and all over the place. God, I miss Broadway. God, I miss music. Oh, I just feel for everyone out there who misses it like me and all the starving artists out there whose livelihoods were just completely taken away this entire year and who are struggling. My heart goes out to you. Please know that we love you and we're thinking about you and we can't wait to support you when you come back. Speaking of support, <laughs> we are really trying to be as open and vulnerable with our guests and I'm trying to be as open and vulnerable with myself on this show in order to build a real community around harmonics. And so that's why we started our newsletter and it comes out once a month. Don't worry, we're not going to use your email and flood it with weird shit. Like it's just for this newsletter. We all spend a lot of time. I spend a lot of time writing for it and curating my favorite things and music and what I'm reading and listening to because I... I really think it's important to support each other, not only during this time, but all time. And especially now more than ever when so many people are struggling in this country and this world with the pandemic and the economies and social justice and systemic racism and all the things. So we started a podcast to help build community. And now we have this amazing newsletter to continue that community. And if you see me on Instagram, please DM me and leave me comments about what you're thinking or what you'd like to hear or how you're becoming a part of the community because we love that. And if you love us, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We really could use your support and um, your shares in order to spread the love and build this community of empowered, strong humans who love creativity and look to it as healing. And we just really like to uh, continue doing what we're doing. All right, y'all. I'm sending you all my love for anybody who's had a bad day or a bad week or a bad year. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to feel your feelings. It's okay to be depressed. But it will get better, as Kristen said in this interview. It's going to get better. Much love to all of you. This episode of Harmonics was produced and edited by Chris Jacobs. Our project manager is Shelby Williamson. And it's always made possible by the leadership of executive producer Amy Reitenauer Jacobs, research producer Courtney Locks, and the entire team over at The Bluegrass Situation. I'm Beth Bears. Thanks for listening. Stay vulnerable, y'all. <laughs>